Hey everybody, welcome to Artifice episode 85 and welcome to the year 2021. I hope that you guys are feeling as kind of tentatively good about this year as I am, at least right now. Um, I, a couple of weeks ago, I made like a like a calendar for the entire year, um, which is probably overkill for a lot of people, but I've got some kind of big long-term projects in the works, one of which is a new album and another of which is my songwriting course that I've uh, mentioned maybe a couple of times. Um, so I got to plan ahead for that stuff and I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling like it's going to be, you know, projects that I, that I mostly really enjoy with maybe a couple of little pieces here and there that I'm dreading. Um, but mostly I'm feeling great about it. Um, my holidays were pretty fine. I actually had, so you may remember that I have braces and the main reason that I had to get braces is because the way that my bite is, is contributing to receding gums. So, um, I actually had a gum graft surgery on December 18th, which was a bummer. And I'm still kind of recovering from that. Um, I have this like retainer thing like a sort of semi-permanent retainer like I can't take it out in my mouth so if my voice sounds weird again it's because there's like this big thing in my mouth that I'm talking around anyway you don't care um but you know other than that the holidays were really nice I spent so much time with Andrew and Bear um and a little bit of time masked with Andrew's family um I think we were all pretty careful. So I'm feeling, feeling good about that. Um, yeah, just, you know, carefully eating great food on one side of my mouth, um, etc., etc., and planning lots of fun projects and doing a little bit of creative work. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's my little update in the month since I've talked to you. Um, what else? Okay. Here's the thing. So for the, this new year, I'm going to try something a little bit different with the podcast, which is I'm going to take the last week of every month off. Um, for those who don't know, every month I write kind of like an essay um, about sort of what I've noticed, like as a summary with the the episodes from that month. And it's something I really like doing. Um, I love to write. It, it feels good to my brain. And um, I just... I like words and writing lyrics is not always enough for me. Sometimes I like to write prose as well. Um, so I, I'm going to try um, taking that last week of every month off so that I can um, not be doubling up on writing that essay and releasing an episode. And it'll just give me a little bit more time to do kind of the prep for the following month. Um yeah, so I'm going to try that and see how that goes. So you can expect um, three or four new episodes each month, depending on how many Tuesdays are in the month. And if you're not a person who's figured this out, there will be four to four months in the year that will have five Tuesdays. Um, so, you know, anyway, that can give you an idea of how many episodes there will be. And we're starting off this year with an episode um, that I recorded kind of a long time ago now, because again, I had this mouth surgery in December, so I wasn't recording new episodes during this time. Um, blah, blah, blah. But this interview is with a new friend who's a drummer, Dan Dowsett, and I am going to read you his bio right now. 
Dan has been playing drums and making music for 20 years. He grew up playing and studying funk, jazz, hip-hop, and classic rock, and has played in bands of countless genres, ranging from ska to country to metal. He is also highly influenced by music in TV and film and has scored a handful of independent films and shows. Dan currently teaches drum students of all ages, primarily online, but also in student homes and in his studio. In addition to all things drumming in a modern context, he also incorporates digital audio workstation technology into his lessons with an emphasis on music production, sampling, song arrangement, composition, and more. He currently plays with Stereo Match, music on all platforms, an indie rock alternative band, and is working on solo on a solo instrumental album planned for release in spring of 2021. That's so exciting. We did not talk about that in the episode, to the best of my recollection, so that is new, and um, we will all be paying attention. So, without further ado, here comes Dan Dowsett. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists, and I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Skylar. Skylar is an LA-based clean fragrance brand that uses clean, conscious ingredients to craft beautiful, innovative, and hypoallergenic scents. And all of their products are vegan and cruelty-free so you can feel good about what you put on your body. I am super sensitive to smells, almost everything gives me a headache, but in the two years I've been wearing Skylar, I have loved it every single day. My fragrance of choice is Willow, but Skylar's best-selling scents are Vanilla Sky and Salt Air, and all of Skylar's fragrances are made to layer, so you can experiment to find the exact combination of scents you love. In addition to gorgeous perfumes, Skylar has lotions, soaps, deodorant, candles, and more. Head to skylar.com slash artifice, that's S-K-Y-L-A-R dot com slash A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E for a 20% discount applied automatically at checkout. Enjoy! Um, so, are you ready? Yep, ready I'm, I'm ready. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I... I I like to start with people by like getting to know kind of what you were like as a kid. So, um, what kind of creative stuff did you do when you were a little, little Dan? Little tiny Dan. Legos. Cool. Uh, I know that's the first thing my mom would say as well. Uh, Legos and just tapping on stuff. I yeah. was always, I would always have a pencil in the left hand and my right hand and I would just be really like even before, like before you had any music lessons or anything. Oh yeah. Years before. So Um, like elementary school, I remember doing that in first grade. I've said this on the podcast before, but I always wanted to play drums when I was little. Yeah. Um, my parents didn't let me, but when I was like two years old, I like asked for like a drum for like Christmas or something. Uh And so I, I had, we had this like Fisher price, like snare drum, um, that like I wanted when I was like a tiny, tiny baby. Wow. 
It's just funny. Did you get it? <laughs> yeah. Well, like we, uh, yes, my family had a little Fisher Price snare drum that was mine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, they didn't let me play drum. They didn't let me take drum lessons cause I was a girl. Oh yeah. The, Still am a girl. Yeah. The gender thing. Yeah. So I took <laughs> piano and voice, but I love rhythm. Like I always felt, you know, like I always felt really kind of comfortable with rhythm. So, um, I remember like there was one day that I went, Cause you'll remember back when we were children, you had to go to a store to buy CDs and music oh, yeah. books. <laughs> I miss those days. I still, I, st- I can see some CDs in the closet right yeah, there I've and I still have hundreds of my favorite CDs. I won't I let them go. I can't get rid of them. I know. I feel yeah. the same way. And I still buy CDs too. Yeah. Like I buy CDs all the time. I, I don't ever listen to the actual CD, but I, I still buy them cause I want to. What know, was your first CD that you owned? I'd like to ask people that. My first CD that I ever owned was Let's Talk About Love by Celine Dion. Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. I think mine was, well, I know mine was Conspiracy of One by Offspring. Cool. (laughs) Wait, how (laughs) old are you? I'm 30. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say I'm 32, so I'm 32, not 30 also. Oh, So like similar. But you know, like I, I was so not like edgy. Like I didn't have older siblings and I had no like exposure to like plenty of kinds of music. Interesting. Um, yeah. In fact, I remember, well, I was going to say, so I, I wanted to go to the local music store to get like a book, like a book of songs to play on the piano or something. And I saw a kid playing drums. Like, you know how a lot of music s- stores will have like a couple of lesson rooms. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I saw a kid playing drums and just thought like, Oh my God, there's nothing I'd rather do than that. But, um, but I wasn't allowed. So, but mm. I was going to say when I was like, I remember I was 10 and my parent, my family had just cassette tapes. And I remember just being like, you guys, CDs are the thing now. Yeah. And my parents were like, it's a fad. It will go out of style, <laughs> which like was true, but much later than I think they yeah, thought. It was our um, generation. That's why I, I mean, I've never owned a vinyl player. I have my parents yeah. own tons of tons of records and I've explored through them, but CDs are always just like yeah. my, but my I, jam. I, that, that year that I got Celine Dion's let's talk about love. I also got like a boom box. So it's just yes. like, I, I want, and then I, and then I bought like, you know, I had like an NSYNC CD, and like Maroon 5 songs about Jane. Of course. And then I had like a, a, a CD of like Les Mis and Phantom of the Opera and Cats. Nice. Yeah, I would say the, I mean, the first CD that I owned when I got a Discman that held one CD. Yeah, yeah. And it was like that circular thing that you walk around I with. I had one of those too. That was the Offspring one. But yeah. my, I mean, I remember just like taking my parents' Beatles CDs and just like keeping them <laughs> yeah oh i did the same thing my parents had like earth wind and fire because my, my parents are young um my my dad graduated in 82 from high school so oh, wow. like my parents are are you you're you have older old. siblings <laughs> my yeah. mom's 70 you had you had better music choices maybe because of those older siblings uh, who knows but my parents are young so it's kind of like but yeah we had like earth wind and, they had earth wind and fire and like a lot of like journey sticks yeah. Like Thriller was in the house. That's But then my parents that. had like a a box set of like the Billboard I think it was like the Billboard top 10 from like every year of the 80s. And I like binged those things. Nice. Like if something was in the Billboard top 10 in the 80s, I know like every note of it. I like the I've been going back to the 80s. <laughs> 
it was good retro stuff. stuff yeah. yeah it's good stuff yeah. um so when you were little 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 you were always tapping do you have like thoughts about where that came from like why were you thinking about music or were you like fidgeting in rhythm i think a bit of both and i remember one time i don't i just it's a childhood memory i was probably five or six um i was watching tv somewhere and there was a band playing yeah in an arena and yeah. it showed the close-up of the drummer and he mm -hmm. was just seemingly to me just hitting random stuff yeah but it sounded good and it was all in time and i was just like how does he know what to hit when and like he's smiling and laughing at the same time and it's this is just astonishing and that memory kind of really stuck with me yeah um and I think that once maybe I saw that, I don't know the timeline of if it's perfectly on par with when I started tapping all the time, but I yeah, think it was around probably then. Probably related. Yeah. And then um, in pencils and pens and just, yeah. and then eventually in, when was I? I'm like fifth grade. One of my friends was like, dude, you should get a drum set. <laughs> and I had never even, I'd never even really thought about or considered that. Yeah. And then... That led to me telling my mom, hey, I, I kind of want to play drums. And then she bought me a $65 drum kit off the side of the road that awesome. this kid was selling. Yeah. And, that and you was... grew up in Utah, right? I, I was born in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. And then I lived in uh, Massachusetts for seven years. Okay. And that's when I think that memory happened. And then we moved to Salt Lake in 1997. Okay. Okay. So you, you did like your little kid in time in the yes. East coast and then, okay. Um, so, you know, my, the thing that I'm the most curious about, like, you know, I tend to feel like creativity is something that like, I'd like to see more adults like have. Yeah. And I think like as professional artists, no matter the genre or like, no matter the medium, like creativity is something we just do like all the time. It's part of our lives. And I like, I'm curious about, whether like there is anything, you know, we can point to like in our childhoods to say like, this is why I was able to keep doing this, like, or, or in our teen years or whatever. So like, you know, I know it's hard to like look in retrospect at like, what was I like as a child, but do you have, do you have like memories or thoughts about like, whether you felt creative as a little kid or whether you were just like interested in other stuff and it kind of like turned into music or like what do you think i i don't know if at the time i was aware of what creativity meant yeah but i'd like to think i was creative yeah and i think there's something to be said for that adolescent wonder and just 100 percent not knowing not really caring what the the quality of something is just that you're you enjoying yourself yeah uh is totally. pretty invaluable yeah. and that like that you kind of, you don't lose that when you get older, but you start thinking about what other people think and yeah. income and like, yeah. how are you going to make money off of this? So, uh, yeah, for me, I, I, I think I was creative. Yeah. <laughs> what else Hopefully can you tell me it. about like, I mean, like I said, like I'm interested in like what, obviously like we can't talk to like, seven-year-old you so yeah i wish we could like all we have cool. is like what you remember and kind of what you know like what maybe your parents like talk about 
you know, what they tell you, like you were like, um, do you, is there anything else? Like, do you, like, I know I have some memories of being like a pretty little kid and like having that kind of sense of wonder about all kinds of things. Like I remember feeling that kind of feeling about like, you know, some of the movies or t- cartoons that I watched, I definitely felt it about music. I definitely felt it about like visual art types of things. I certainly had feelings about like nature, <laughs> you know, yeah. like do what, what kind of memories do you have about like, you know, or your, your, your personality even that you think is like relevant to this. Discussion? When you say nature that I identify with that, I think a lot of times I, as a youngster, I'm thinking like six or seven and my parents got me a bike and I would just go ride the bike and discover the neighborhood or ride into this like foresty back area and kind of just feel like more connected to Mm -hmm. myself and, and figuring out what I liked, uh, through doing things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to like rack my brain here to come up yeah. with the best answer. I just answer. like it. I'm just interested in it. You <laughs> know, I think, like, I think, like I said, I think I feel that I'd like to see more creativity among adults in our society and in our world. And like, I don't necessarily think that creativity like is the arts. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think those of us that are in the arts are creative, uh-huh. but like, we certainly don't have like a monopoly on creativity. And so sometimes I like, I like to talk to artists about how like they see creativity because I don't, I don't think we always see it as like playing drums, writing songs, you know? Yeah. Um, some, some artists do. Yeah. I, I've interviewed enough people that I know that some artists do. Yeah. But I feel the same way as you. Like I grew up in Arizona and so like nature is like a strong word maybe for some, for some of those things. But <laughs> well, like I did the kind. same thing. Like I would drive, I would ride my bike around And I would, it was so stupid, but like, I would just like notice what kind of like rocks other neighbors had in their yard and just be like, this looks like a different kind of rock. It's so dumb. But like, I, I do, I feel like that kind of like little sense of curiosity is like so related to like what makes me be able to do this job now. Yeah. Like it feels very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I would build forts in the basement and make little like drum kits out of paper plates and cool. put beans in them. Yeah, cool. And hit them. I mean, it was I a lot of it was really per- based around music and percussion and there was I remember music playing a lot in the household from That's... which I think has to do a lot with it and yeah. I I mean, I know it does. I've been teaching drums for I don't know, like 10 years now. And most of the students that I can tell have a, have a gift for it. Nine times out of 10, their parents are playing music, whether it's any classical. And then there's some where you can tell they haven't maybe really listened to any music. Like music is not a thing. Totally. I experienced that as well. Cause I've also been teaching for, which is fine by the way, 10 years different. Yeah. Yeah. Well it is, it's fine, but it is weird to, to sign your child up for music lessons and like, and they don't listen, they don't to, music. listen to any music. Yeah. That's a big thing when I, it is, especially it, when it I ask kids, like, what have sometimes. you been listening to? 
Yeah. And they don't know, like they can't answer. I have that. (laughs) I think the majority of my students are like that. Yeah. Like they watch American Idol. But I mean, part of that is maybe voice. But I I bet drums, I bet you get a lot of students in drums too who like the idea of playing drums more than they like music. Yeah. And a lot of them, yeah, they don't tie together that playing drums is just a part of making music drums isn't like this separate thing the whole the whole goal is to make music yeah 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 yeah. at least for some people yeah i I bet we have i bet we could talk we have similar experiences as teachers in that way where like you know i'm i think like you know clarinet teachers are not experiencing that in the same way yeah i guess (laughs) it's more of a i don't want to say niche instrument there's i don't know there's actually this really cool band I just discovered just, that sorry, has clarinet in it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think just the fact that it's cla- like classical, you know, I think people want to sign up for voice lessons and, and I'm assuming maybe drum lessons because it's like, they think it's cool and it maybe has, they think it will make like them seem cool. Certainly that element. Yeah. And yeah. then I think a lot of, uh, a lot of students I've had don't obviously don't know what they're getting into, but they think that playing drums is just about bombastically randomly hitting stuff when 90% of it is playing the same repetitive groove over and over again and just making that feel good to play with other people. And that's, you know, most of the songs that we're listening to Mm -hmm. are the same Mm -hmm. two, three, four drum beats that are just really simple, but really like in the the pocket. Mm -hmm. And that's... I mean, that's what I like to focus on when yeah. teaching. You can get, I do get into the whole, the technical crazy stuff too. Uh, yeah. But I think a lot of people new to the instrument think it's like this f- like flashy upfront yeah. doing like well, acrobatic. S- singing is for sure. There's a similar, like, like the frequency with which I have a student that I'm like, you should be in dance lessons. Like that's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you or, just. Yeah. Dance is a good way to, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Or be the person in front that's like, yeah, doing the be- Beyonce yeah, moves. Like, yeah, you're not interested in singing or music, really. You're interested in like showmanship. Performance. Yeah. yeah. Which is a huge part of it, too. There's totally. definitely watching a band or an art- artist that is has good stage presence yeah. makes a huge difference, too, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Obviously. So I wanted to ask more about like what kind of music was in the home or, or maybe more specifically, like, do you remember, like, can you point to anything that was like said or presented to you? Like that made you kind of feel like this is something we value or was it just like it was on and it was kind of like an osmosis thing. One of the earliest memories I have in the household was, this was in North Andover, Massachusetts. I was probably five was yellow submarine being on and my dad yeah. giving me a piggyback ride to yellow submarine. Cute. And that was just that memory was so awesome yeah. <laughs> that I think that it just, the relationship with I'm doing something fun with my dad and there's yeah. this song on, and it's a really happy song. It's like the yeah. most happy, easy listening song ever. Um, I would say that's the earliest music memory I can think of in the home. It cemented it for you that like music is joyful or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Also, uh, for some reason, take five by Dave Brubeck, Mm -hmm. that melody, the horn melody 
I remember hearing that at a really young age several times, and yeah. I didn't discover that that was Take Five by Br- Dave Brubeck until years later. Yeah. And that kind of, that was like, oh, I was hearing that before I even knew yeah. what a saxophone was, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, You know. Totally. And that I, was in the house, too. I can so. relate to that. So your parents, like, they like music. It's like they would think of it as, like, part of their identity. That oh, they for like, sure. Cool. Yeah. I think that's also huge. Like, just being around people who, like, you know, whether it's verbal or whether it's just you can tell by how, by how it's presented that they value art. Um, it's huge. I think that's huge. It is for sure. And my, my mother's actually an interior designer as well. So cool. she's got a very visually uh, uh, she's capable eye. Yeah. Cool. yeah. She's very good with color and space. and Awesome. Yeah. Um, did you take any lessons of any kind or like, you know, even just like, you know, children's choir kinds of things before you got the drum set? Like, was there any like yeah. music training? I took, I was kind of not forced, but highly encouraged to the point of almost being forced to take piano lessons. Yeah. Uh, it's just like a thing in a lot of families. Like, yes. it's not a question. It's like, you're going you to do piano. something. And yeah. I'm so glad I did. I kind of wish that I had stuck with it longer, but it was always somewhat of a chore. Yeah. Uh, but I, I starting about seven or eight, right when we moved to Salt Lake City, I took piano and it was always go practice the piano, go yeah. practice the piano. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then once the drums came, it was like, no more uh, piano, no more do piano you, and no more telling me to practice. Like I didn't have to be told right. to Did to you practice. with piano? Like, do you remember, did you like, hate all of it or do you feel like you didn't like it because like like you know I always I the this is something I hear so frequently from professional musicians of like it's the same thing like I was in piano lessons I hated it but then like now I'm a saxophone player or whatever yeah um, I hear it so often like what do you remember like do you have thoughts about like why you love music but like didn't want to be take piano lessons I think a lot of it was the songs that we were learning yeah, were not, not relevant music. to what yeah. I w- thought I was interested in. Right. And that's why, you know, 10 year old kid sees drum kit and it was like, oh, I can hit that and right. like it make all sense. these noises. Or they see Mary had a little lamb written out and they're right. hot cross buns. There's no, there's, of course, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah I want to play the drums. Unless you're into that you're into Mary had a little lamb. That's fine. But uh, is anyone uh, into Mary had a little lamb? I don't know. Well, I took piano lessons too. And I definitely felt that way a little bit, but I think like in retrospect, I started, um, I started like kind of improvising a little bit at kind of a young age. Like I would sit down to practice my like little piano songs, but then like, I would kind of be like, I'm going to play everything with the pedal or like, yeah. you know, like improvising is like a strong word, but, um, yeah. or I'm just going to rest, I've, put my arm down on all the keys. And yeah. Like, or I would noise. just play, you know, I just, I was playing. Yeah. So I think I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember disliking piano lessons ever, but I definitely remember not loving the songs I was supposed to practice. But I remember thinking of it like I'm playing these songs, but then I'm just also going to, play yeah i there is some of both for sure and i would always find like little chords or 
notes that I thought sounded cool. Yeah. And then I would get really rhythmical with them. Like yeah. I would just, I remember sitting on the piano and just playing You're like, like fourth, fourth chords I thought sounded really cool. Yeah. Like a fourth in the left hand and like the, the lower register I always thought sounded like a motorboat. Yeah. So, like, so I would yeah. always like play around with. Yeah. And I didn't know what a fourth was, right. but you I was were just, just interested in the sounds. Yeah. So it wasn't that like you hated piano. You just like the lessons were just like. Yeah. They yeah. were a little cheesy. Yeah. And it, it was, I'm so glad I took them and I'm thinking about the teacher that taught me and I hope she's doing well. And that was, yeah. it was, a, I'm so glad I took it, but I, yeah, the songs were. Yeah. It just wasn't, it just didn't spark inspiring. your curiosity. So, um, what about, did you do any singing like as a kid? Not really. No. Okay. So there was some piano lessons and then you got the drum set in fifth grade. Um, and then what happened? Then it just, I just, I mean, my, my mom as, as beautiful and crazy as she is as a person, let me keep the drum kit in the living room right next to the kitchen. And she was just like, it's music. I love it. I love being around (laughs) it. And I hope that she meant that. Um, that's really beautiful. My, my husband's a drummer too. And, um, his mom is like that also. Like she will, she will tell, she'll talk to me about like, I just love hearing the drums. I love hearing it. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they stayed in the living room and it was, I never, again, my parents said they never had to tell me to practice. I just kind of started playing and shortly thereafter I started taking lessons and for formative years took lessons and then I feel like once you're capable of knowing how to teach yourself in a certain way, then you got to go off and just find your own lane, you know? Yeah. Um, but Did, y- were you in like band in high school? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was in jazz band. I was in drumline, uh, concert band. So I would love to just hear like from your perspective, um, like how did you take this skill from like, an interest and like a really low level skill to like, you know, to a time when your, your skills are like, you know, professional level, like what, just what happened. And I'm specifically right now, I'm curious about like up until you're like, you know, 18. Let's see. Like how do I, I'm kind of curious about things like how, how did the way that you thought about it start to change? Like, how did you go from like, I'm playing to like, I'm really working on this or like, right. How did it start to change like your identity or. I do, I do think it had to do with school bands in some ways. And I remember hearing when I was, I think when I was in junior high, I heard a high school jazz band play and you know, I thought I was hot shit yeah. <laughs> and I saw this jazz band play and I was like, I'm not, that's wow. That's incredible. And yeah. it was motivating to want to discover new music and practice so that I could do that. I don't know. There was always just this, this thing with, I was always, I've, I just got really inspired to play and be as good as possible on yeah. the drums. And I think, uh, watching yeah just watching bands play i mean discovering stuff on youtube seeing live music it all just kind of culminated in this i need to get really good at this instrument and i i love it you know so your motivation came from like just seeing people do things that you couldn't know how to do yeah and discovering new music through teachers in my formative years teachers would you know like check out tower power or check out yeah 
um, James Brown and John Coltrane and all these artists that I are my favorites now yeah. that listening to it, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And then we would break it down in lessons or, yeah. and it would, and then some of it was totally other end of the spectrum, you know, like Lincoln park, you know, oh, <laughs> just yeah. like, uh, and so it all just kind of, I mean, I'm always, I've always been pretty diverse in what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, if it strikes a nerve, I like it. And that's yeah. anywhere from classical to extreme metal. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't. Or like world music, you know, like, yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. Um, you know, one thing I think about so much and I think about this as a teacher and I also think about it just, I don't know, like I, I talk about this on the podcast all the time. So anyone who listens a lot is like, we know Emily, but I just met Dan today. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, I come from like a really, like a non-creative group of people. <laughs> like I was just raised by like, I think the family values, like, I mean, there are like a couple of really creative people like in my extended family, but like just the family values I was raised with, like they just, the creativity just is like, is not valued. And so I don't know. I think about that. Like I feel really aware of it and like the problems that it causes, like just a, a lack of creative thinking, a lack of curiosity, a lack of like, um, you know, and it's, it's again, like, I'm not talking about like the arts necessarily, um, but just like creativity. And I find myself wondering a lot, like, are these things that we can learn? Are these things that are just like, they're built into our personalities. And so like, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this as a teacher too. Like I'm like you, like I would have teachers or someone, you know, recommend some music to me. And I would be like, what is that? Or like, you know, I'd be watching a movie and hear some music in a movie that was unlike anything I'd heard and just think like where, like, I remember like, you know, pre-internet, like watching the credits and like trying to, trying to like see, like if I could figure out like what the music was called, like yeah, if I could, I did and the same n- thing. there's nowhere to know, you know, like, like you're trying to guess, like based on how something sounded, like if you can figure out the title, like, yeah. but I remember just being curious and being like pretty easily moved by things and. Um, I certainly have students who like are not like that. Like I'll play something for a student that like blows my mind and I've heard it 200 times and it just like is nothing. Yeah. And I try and try and try different things and there's nothing. Um, and I, I guess like, do you ever have thoughts about like, what is that? Like, where does it come from? How could we teach it? Like, what do you think? I think more than... I think it's a life experience thing, uh, more than a, like, look at this, this music book thing. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to put this in a way. Your question is. I'm just wondering, like, I mean, as you're describing your experience with like getting, like what motivated you to work on drums or what motivated you to work on music? It's like seeing someone play better than you and being like, how do I learn how to do that? Or hearing something that just makes you like, and I think like that thing, whatever it is like about your personality that makes you respond that way. It's definitely not like a given. And I'm curious if you have thoughts like as an artist or as a teacher or just as a person about like, you know, what, what we can do to like encourage that yeah. kind of curiosity and like self-motivation. I think there's a little bit of, 
you know, some people are more apt to being capable of being creative easier than others. But I think 99% of us are capable of preparing ourselves to be creative. Yeah. Like we're... Tell me everything you think. (laughs) We're, I mean, you can, you can help yourself to think outside of the box by doing things that, by changing your habits, changing your routines, changing what you, what you read, what you listen to, what you, what you watch, how you speak. Um, I think that all can be valued and kind of, you can keep your eye on those sorts of things and learn from them. And I think at some point it takes a a choice to like, I want to, I want to do that. And maybe that doesn't happen until you're 30 years old or it, I, I don't think a lot of people are maybe capable of it in their younger formative years and they need more of like a study this and study this and study this. Whereas that's not as, maybe that's not sparking their creativity. That's in the long run, that's sort of contributing to their body of knowledge that will prepare them to be creative down the road. I think you're right. And I I think I feel the same way, which is one reason why I like to do this podcast. Cause I, I, you know, I think most of the people who listen to my podcast are, are already creative people, but I, I like the idea that like when we have these broad conversations about creativity, about art and about like, you know, what it's like to stretch our brains in different ways. Um, we stumble on like little, you know, bits of information or like little ideas. And I, I, I like the idea that like someone hears like something and thinks like, Oh, maybe I can prepare myself for creative thinking, like no matter how old I am or whatever. Um, do you feel like the things that like prepared you were, were those things like your parents listening to different music, like, and so you were kind of primed for that as a child or maybe some of it's just like a personality. Yeah. And both, I think that my, both my parents were, especially my mom was very, think outside the box, challenge yourself. Don't always, you know, don't believe everything that everybody says just because that's, you know, don't, you know, but all with a general, um, attitude of, you know, kindness and, yeah. and, uh, respect. Like yeah. yeah. So I really agree with that. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really complex thing. I'm trying to think of what, how my life would look now if there was like no music on yeah. in the household or yeah. there was no, you know, um, I think doing, the- doing extracurricular stuff like my parents put, having us do the sports and, the music stuff and really just being in tune with, okay, what do you trying to get us to do different things, yeah. you know? And TV time was very limited and screens were very limited and it was annoying at the yeah. time, but you know, I'm glad I didn't spend yeah. my, a lot of my childhood just like staring at cartoons yes. instead of right. having something to, and there's nothing wrong with cartoons by the way. But. Yeah, I mean, especially I think, you know, I, I, I interview a lot of visual artists and when I talk with visual artists about what cartoons meant to them as children, it's a real different thing. Oh, for sure. You know, That's a whole art. They're That's looking a whole... at those cartoons like 
you know, but I think it's, that's I meant just I, watching TV in general wasn't like, sure. and being passive was not being something passive, that was I allowed. That's the key. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. Yeah. I, I spent a ton of time reading. Like I love to read. Um, and I think about like how much that gives me as an adult, it, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, just a second ago, you rattled off like so many nice ideas about ways that people can stretch their brain. You said like, you know, like the way you speak and like what you do. And um, when you were talking, like, I don't know if that was just like off the top of your head. Like, is, is that stuff you think about like regularly now? Yeah, I try to. I mean, I'm 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 trying to be a better me. And I've I know I've been not the best me before. Yeah. And I mean, for me, beyond musical talent, creativity, all that stuff is like, are you a good person yeah. is more important than any yeah. of that. And I've seen, I've seen it on both spectrums, people that are extremely talented, that are extremely gifted, that are not nice people yeah. in some, at least from what I've seen. And yeah. I used, I mean, I don't want to say I used to, but do I have respect for their art still? Yeah, but I think for me personally, just trying to strive to yeah. reflect my personality and what I'm about through my art is is yeah. is what keeps me uh Would you are you interested sane. in like talking more about that kind of stuff cuz I'm so I'm so about it. Like just these thoughts of like how can we as like adults, like, you know, never, never so much mind the fact that like we're musicians, but like what kinds of things can we like, you know what you, you, I remember like you were talking about like the ways that we can prepare ourselves for creativity, like mm -hmm. changing what you, what you listen to, what you look at, how you speak. Yeah. Um, and I think about that kind of stuff a lot. And like love talking about it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that was like an accident or like if you like no, do you want to talk about it? No, I I would love to. I Great. at least for music, I think a lot of I try to give the time of day to every type of music yeah. and everything that I listen to by not making a judgment about it based off of what other people think about it until I have listened to it in its entirety. I have I a a I lot of people will listen to like 10 seconds of something yeah. and decide that that artist sucks or that, you know, they think that there's, yeah. it's easy to hate on this artist or this band. And yeah. that's like, a oh, I'm not into that. Yeah. That's where I'm into so many weird different types of music. I'm into mainstream music. I'm into, it's, if it's, if it's good, I like it. <laughs> you know, I, I feel so the same way. I have a, I have a personal rule for myself. Um, which is I have to listen to something all the way through three times before I, before I get to like That's make a judgment better. about it. Yeah. And, and I we, don't always listen to everything three times, but then I won't make a judgment about it. Yeah. You know? And it's unfortunate that we're for this topic. It's unfortunate that we're in this like Instagram story world where like 10 seconds is your attention span yeah. or less even. And for music, it's, I mean, you know, as yeah. someone that makes music, it's a lot of time and effort and yeah. thought and yeah. life was put into that, hopefully, yeah. that I think people need to take more time to 
Well, and I appreciate I, it for what it is before making their judgments. Well, and I, you know, again, like this is something I talk about on the podcast all the time because it is my favorite subject. But like, I think it's there's such a parallel to to people, you know, like, like I, I remember I remember specifically like I took a jazz history class. So like I didn't know anything about jazz until I was like 16. I'd never heard it other than maybe like you know, in a, in a movie that was about the forties, you know, like hearing it like as a, as a time period, like I had no idea about any jazz that was like beyond big band. Um, and even that, like my, my knowledge was like extremely limited. So I started listening to jazz when I was like 16 and, um, I didn't have, I wasn't working on that stuff in my private lessons. My, my private voice lessons were like, I was working on opera and maybe like occasional Broadway. Um, so I didn't know like where to look. And, and as a result, my listening was like all over the place. Like yeah, I had like a John Schofield record and a Medeski Martin and Wood record. Nice. And then in that, and I love that stuff. Me too. And then I had like a best of Ella Fitzgerald. Like there was no improv on it. It was like three minute recordings, you know, n- not the stuff that like she's known for in jazz world. Yeah. It was like, you know, anyway. Um, yeah. And then I had like kind of blue, I had like random stuff. I had a love Supreme Yeah. and I went to, I took a jazz history class in college. My, when I was a freshman, it was, it was actually the summer before I started my freshman year. I went to school. Like I did a summer, I did a summer early. And, um, I remember hearing like bebop. Like I remember hearing like, I think it was Coco, like this Charlie Parker recording. And just being like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Like, why would anybody listen to this? But, you know, like, I'm a good, like, rule follower. So, like, I listened and, like, it did all my things. And then, like, it was after that that I applied to North Texas and went there for my bachelor's. So I did did one year at BYU. Nice. Um, It wasn't, but, you know. (laughs) Okay. I was saying the North North Texas thing. North Texas was the best. That's where the the snarky puppy dudes are from, That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. I did my first year there when they were in their last year, like when they were just leaving. Nice. So I don't, I know, like, I think there was a time when Mike Leake would know who I am and probably he doesn't anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's got a lot of people on his I think there like was definitely a time where like we walked past each other in the building every day. I mean, I know for sure that there was, and I think he probably knew my name back then. That was a long, long time ago. (laughs) And I was like a little baby freshman and he was like doing cool things already. Yeah. Um, anyway, so when I went to North Texas, of course, then I was hearing bebop like all day, every single day. And, um, and I just remember like listening to that same record again, like, you know, one year later and just feeling like. I just felt totally different about it. Like when I heard it for the first time in my like BYU jazz history course, I remember just feeling like this is noisy. This stresses me out. I couldn't get past like the poor recording quality. Yeah. You know, that stuff all sounds like staticky. I kind of like some of it though for that. I like it now, you know, but I remember like hearing it and thinking like, this is really stressful. Like I can't, I can't just listen to it. It's distracting. And then like hearing that same record like a year later and feeling like I could fall asleep to this. Like this is, it feels so comfortable, you know? And I just feel like that's like a, it's a good principle. And now when I hear something that like upsets me 
or like I see, you know, like a movie. Like, like I felt the same way the first time I watched like a Bollywood film. I just felt like this is uncomfortable. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to feel about it. Um, And I, my assumption now is like, if I have that feeling of like, ugh, I just think like, I don't know enough about this. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for dissecting things makes them more interesting. Totally. Like I, what's the artist going for? Yeah. And I, there's times when I hear something and I, I'm like, okay, that's initially not my favorite thing. Like a lot of country music is that way for me. But then I, several years ago, I was touring with this country band and we, I had to learn a lot of songs really quickly and a lot of old school Johnny Cash, Hank Williams, Mm -hmm. uh, Merrill Haggard songs. And initially upon hearing those, I was like, whatever. And then I kind of dissected them and like, you know, really listened to what they were about and what the, feeling was. And then I was like, Oh, I kind of started, I'm starting to like this stuff, you know? So I think if you can be patient enough to figure something out and, and really, and I think that's also just, that ties into how much access we have to so much music and so much content now that it's overwhelming. Like I remember being up, up in the Muskoka, Canada for a summer with a CD, like one CD and for the entire summer. Yeah. And I was, that was it, you know, I love that. Kind of you thing know, so that much. you know, yeah. that like the back of your hand, you know, mm-hmm. now it's like, I can pull up my smartphone and have millions of songs. It's like, I'm not going to listen to all that, but if you're forced to have one mm-hmm. thing and you know, love Supreme was one of those for me, me too. uh, I've where to it like hundreds of times. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of times, uh, a lot of times. You know, it's, it's dark one, side it's of the in moon. There. It's the dark yeah. side of the moon's in there too. Yeah. So there, I mean, I think in my CD and I'm stack, guilty, I'm guilty of it too, you know, like getting on Spotify and just like going through all the singles that I, I like. I can't do it. I don't. Oh, I, I do it. I, mean, I don't do I try that. not to, but. Um. I, well, for me, it's not like a, it's not like a morality kind of thing. I just, I, I like, like, I think I feel the same way about music that I feel about people, which is like. It's a deep dive or it's nothing. Like, yeah, I can't, I just can't care. Like, I can't care about something if I'm listening to it like that. Like, I don't like listening to, like, playlists most of the time. I don't like listening to singles. Like, I want to hear the context. Yeah. I want to hear it in the album. I want to know, like, what it means, like, from, like, within the artist's body of work. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I want to binge on, like, I think it's one both thing. for me personally. I think yeah. it's both. But I do think if you're going to make a judgment about whatever it is and push your judgment on other people, you should listen to it thoroughly. You should know the context. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And again, that's just me. Like if, if, I mean, there's definitely times where I'm like, I'm going to listen to this entire album. There's times when I'm like, I'm going to listen to. I need to be better at that. I, I mean, I feel like I need to get better at like dipping just so that I have a, a more broad, yeah. Cause like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will do that even still where like, I just listen to one album for like two months. Yeah. Um, or one song even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's there. You're right though. It is overwhelming. There's a whole lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of, and that's what, just what, music. What gets to me sometimes is like the, 
preconceived notions of what people think is good based off of how many listens it has or how yeah. many followers it has yeah. on Instagram. That stuff just pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, and it is the way it is. And that's like, I'm everyone's got to deal with it, but there are so many people that formulate their opinions on what yeah. good music is based off of Vanity how many metrics. people are talking about it totally. and not when they like, haven't even listened to the entire thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel the same way for sure. Or just, yeah, like if it doesn't serve you immediately as a listener, like if within the first 30 seconds you're not like, yes, then it's just like it's garbage. Yeah. I, I, I purposefully. Like, it like when, hurts my feelings. Yeah. No, when I'm, <laughs> I'm working on some electro groove stuff right now that, and I'm like purposefully making the, like, like the holy shit moment, the, two or three minutes into the song. Yeah. I do that <laughs> like, too. I mean, want I do people to wait. Yeah. I, bit, I feel the know? same way. Like I want it to feel like a movie or like yeah. feel like a book. Like you can't, I mean, I, and that's the kind of music that I like. The slow but, burn. Yeah. But I mean, I want to be clear. Like when I say it hurts my feelings, I don't mean about my music. I mean, like when I hear other people about someone else's music, be like, Ugh. like I, I feel, I get, like I have hurt feelings. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> like I totally sense. get you. Every once in a while, my husband will do that. He, he, Andrew started out as a drum, like not a drum major, but like majoring in drums, um, when he was in college, not a, not a marching band drum major, um, jazz drums, and then switched to physics and like he's an engineer now. But um, you know, I think I, I, I think sometimes like he. I don't know that he would, could do like this job as a job because like he doesn't have that kind of patience with stuff. Yeah. Like, he'll kind of turn off about stuff real quickly. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's such an unpredictable industry now, especially with what's going on this year. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's just incredibly hard. I mean, I, I've, I'm teaching enough now to, support myself yeah. but off of making music and like making money off of recordings it's like there's not yeah. it's not really happening happening at least for me yeah um yeah and along the years I've I mean I've always had another job yeah you know, that and I don't think that makes you any less of an artist at all no, some people think, so think like oh if you have another job then you're not professional like okay yeah <laughs> but you know not everyone can yeah weather the storm of totally what it takes to well i was just talking about this with someone the other day and i, I want to get into like your professional like your adult years and like what you've been doing but um mm -hmm. i was just talking about this with someone the other day like you know i've i haven't made a non-music dollar in about 10 years um since i finished my bachelor's degree i've been working like only in music since then and uh I think one of the reasons that I can make it work is I genuinely love teaching. Like I really like it mm -hmm. and teaching doesn't like kill music for me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like a chore. Like I, I really like it. But so my, in, in, in that way, like in teaching music, like is like my day job, like, you know, and playing in like a wedding cover band is my day job. Um, and then, you know, it's music, but it's not like, high level, you know, original artistry. Yeah. But for people who like really don't like teaching or don't like doing that other stuff, like it makes way more sense for those people to have like a non-music 
day job so that they have the like creative reserves to like make great music. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the creativity that we were talking about earlier, a lot of that stuff comes from life experience doing Mm -hmm. stuff that doesn't have to do with music, Mm -hmm. like working in a diner, driving Lyft, working for, you know, uh, Asian food company. Yeah. Work, yeah. you know, all things that I've done, yeah. <laughs> like don't have anything to do with music, yeah. but, but they give you stuff to think about. Yeah. And the yeah. people I've met and mm-hmm. just the, I don't know. I don't think I could have, I don't know if I would, how I would do if I was just like, yeah, it's I had not... all day to just make music and yeah. teach music and nothing else ever on my radar. I yeah. don't know if I'd like that. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think you're right that like, it doesn't take anything away. Like, you know the state, you know what you need in order to be your most creative and like, you know, figuring that out is like, that's what's, yeah. that's Plus, what's let's just be honest. At. Like if you want to make, if you want to make a livable income on just recording and playing music these days in 2020 as an undiscovered artist, that's pretty hard. That Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, I mean, you're going to, either your day job is like in music, but it's teaching, you know, or like... I don't know. Like there's plenty of like, like working at a venue, you know, there's plenty of things that are in the music industry. It depends on what you, yeah. You consider, you know, like I have a friend that does like, is she in the music industry? She does data entry for like Ticketmaster or something. something. Yeah. It's like, does that, sure. I don't know. Is that, but I, yeah, I think I'm like totally agreeing with you. Like we, we cultivate our lives like in the way, I think those of us who, like are highly invested in, in being creative. Um, we set up, we, we do our best to set up our lives in a way that like lets us be creative. Yeah. Um, and that can, that means different things for different people. Um, so I, we have just met, but you did tell me before in Facebook messenger that you didn't major in music. So, um, and I, I like, get it for all these reasons that we're talking about. <laughs> but I want to ask, was there a time when you were like, you know, um, like about to graduate from high school that you like thought about it? Oh yeah. I know. And I went and auditioned. I, I went and auditioned up at the university of Utah. Um, I wanted to play in the drum line too. And I just at the time wasn't good enough. (laughs) I wanted to play, I like I skyline marching band. I played snare drum and then I went and auditioned for the U and I was just, it was a very humbling experience that Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, I wasn't ready for it. And I, that's fine. You know, I, and I think I was, I was more into different kinds of music then anyway. Um, so, and a lot of the university stuff was very, um, it seemed very melodically based. Like they wanted you to play vibes, vibes and marumba yeah. and I wasn't very good at that stuff. Yeah, like I just wanted to play drums. Definitely a lot less of that at like up North Texas. Like, yeah. I mean, everyone still plays vibes, but like, I think they think of the drum set as a melodic instrument. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. at that time you, you didn't have this, like you didn't have this kind of like, big picture like I don't need a major in music to be a musician you you kind of wanted to do it and it just like didn't work out for a long time I really wanted to go to music school and actually yeah. after I got a degree in communication at the University of Utah I was I went and auditioned for Berkeley in Boston and 
got some scholarship money and didn't end up moving. Like I didn't end up going anyway. That was a big, like I really wanted to go to music school, but, and I'm as much as I, I do love the idea. I'm, I'm glad that I didn't go to music school. I think, um, in a way it's, uh, it opened another door for me that at that time that I'm glad that I took. So I am interested in this idea that like you wanted to go like at first didn't get in. Um, how were you able, cause I think like that experience alone, like that kills it for a lot of people. Like I've seen that happen to Didn't, a lot of people. To Berkeley or the University of Utah? University of Utah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I got into the school. I just decided not to major in music. Oh, okay. I see. Cause I had sort of a mentor that was like, be prepared to fail some classes. Like oh, there's you, like, okay. you're, you're not up to the standard in music theory and I see. And so you got into the program. Yeah. You just you just you didn't feel prepared yeah, to like take I, it on. Yeah. I so, I first majored in I changed my major like three times. <laughs> okay. I think but, I still want to ask this question, which is yeah. how did you like how were you able to like keep your identity like it's easier as an uh, as a more of an adult. Like we have more perspective, you know, even, we're still young. But when you're eighteen your identity is so fragile, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, how were you able to kind of like keep this feeling of like, I'm a person, I'm a, I'm a musician, I play drums, like I'm a creative, but I'm not majoring in that. Like, did that feel like resilience to you or was it like not a thing? Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, how are you able to kind of like keep hold on like that kind of goal or like that dream without... I don't know. I just have to imagine like, you know, you're like, I play drums and people are like, are you majoring it? And you're like, no. And then people are like, yeah. Okay. So you're, you're not really a drummer. <laughs> yeah. Like how uh, did you, how did you, I mean, and, and again, like as an adult and I think like professional musicians also wouldn't have said those things to you. Like yeah, those are things sure. that non-professionals would say. Yeah. But At you least don't for, know that when you're like a kid. So. Yeah. And in my mind, I, I was one of the kids that thought that if you're going to do something as a profession that you should go to school for it. And I thought at that time that, that, uh, majoring in music at a university was like the most important thing you could do to enhance your musical career, which now is like so obvious that that is not the answer, but, um, maybe for some people it is. And again, if I, somebody said, Hey, do you want to go to Berkeley for free? I would, I would still probably do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I, I love learning. I love the exposure of being around motivated people that are in the same industry. Right. Um, but I think that's sort of when I started doing parks and rec, which yes, that's a major at the university of Utah. Mm. And then I switched it to communication. I was happy that I, you know, I got into video editing and I got into, which tied into music. Totally creative. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I liked writing and I liked, uh, I don't know. I just like, you I was felt content like totally with creative. not majoring yeah. in music. And did you still feel like I was still playing in bands this entire time yeah. and taking lessons? I think I was taking lessons that to, into my twenties. Well, you were playing like paid gigs. Yeah. Yeah. What did that mean to you? Like, like what did that mean to like, you know, kind of your identity, like how you saw yourself, like just being like, yeah, like I'm not majoring in music, but like I'm I'm playing like paid gigs or 
I don't know, just, I think I'm, I think, I think where I'm at with this question is like, you know, again, I feel like all humans are capable of creativity. Like, I know you agree with that. Yeah. Um, but we lose people like, and I don't mean we lose people in the arts. I mean, like we just lose, like people just stop being creative. And I think there are these kind of fragile times where people just, they stop being creative. And like this age, like 18, 19, 20, I think it's one of them. Like people stop doing their like high school extracurriculars and then like they don't pivot that creativity into like something in their profession or yeah. And I'm just wondering if you have like thoughts about how you were able to like, I don't know, maintain like that part of your identity, like even if it wasn't like a really obvious focus of like your day to day life. Yeah, I think it's just letting things, letting things happen. And there's definitely been phases where I've been more into skiing and and like rock climbing and yeah. do hiking and stuff that or more that that just took the forefront for a little bit. And, but music was still there, you know, I just don't think it should feel like a, I have to do this and I have to like be creative and yeah. better myself all the time. Like an all or nothing. This chore sort yeah. of mentality that doesn't work like that. And especially yeah. coming up with good musical ideas for me has come from life experience yeah. and do like having breaks, you know, going on a trip or having yeah. significant time away from the instrument yeah. and then to, to think about it, you know, and to yeah. like experience other stuff. And then you come back to the instrument or the studio or whatever it is. And there's this new fire. There's yeah. this new, I mean, I think some people have this, like they can do eight hours a day and between practice, playing gigs, it's just always music. I can't do that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. envious of people that can, but I need the breaks. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what keeps me actually more driven is yeah. like I have, you know, I do a bunch of stuff or I have a bunch of resources and then yeah. they're taken away for a bit. And then yeah. that makes me want to come back to them. And then I think that's creative too. Like that's kind of this big picture creative thinking of like, this is how I am this is what lets me work. Like, w how do I kind of like work with my like personality, my own body chemistry, my whatever in order to like kind of cultivate like an environment where I can be creative. I'm, yeah. so, I'm so into it. Um, I'd love to hear about like your professional, like how did you, you know, how did you get to the point where you were like going on tour with a country band and like, what else have you been doing? Just, like, <laughs> what, what do you, what have you been doing? Uh, let's see. I mean, this year's been weird. Uh, why don't you start earlier? <laughs> like yeah. go chronologically. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's see. Let's start after college. So I played, or no, let's start in high school. I played in a, I mean, I've always kind of played in random pop-up gigs, but the first, the first, uh, like band that I played in was a band called Genre with, no, that's not true. The first band I played was a band called Clarity, and I was like 14, played cool. at Kilby Court. Cool. Um, but I'd say like once, like real band band, this band called Genre with uh, two of the other guys I still play with to this day in a in a different band. Cool. Um, and this was like Sublime, Red Hot Chili Peppers, reggae stuff. And cool. we did, we played all around Salt Lake. We toured the West Coast. We... Made some money. We recorded a full-length album. And you were like, how old? 
This was like 17, 18 to cool. 21. That's huge. Like, yeah. But uh, that's why, I mean, that's why you, your identity didn't get like taken away when you decided not to major in music. Like you just yeah. already had freaking done it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I'd played a lot of gigs before, yeah. before that came well, up. Well, and like touring is very like, someone can't be like, well, you're not a real drummer if you're like, I did a West Coast tour. Like, you know. Yeah. Like that just those kinds of things aren't going to stick. Yeah. They're not going to like, yeah, you're not going to be like, maybe that's true. You're yeah. It's going to be like, no. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. a lot of these tours were very, you know, DIY, like the four of us packing into a van and sure. like playing for nobody. Nevertheless, a lot of the time. like <laughs> it happened and you did it and you recorded an album and that's like, yep. you know, so then what, what happened after that? What, what band came next? And then, uh, then we all sort of went to college and that thing sort of dispersed. And then throughout college, I played in a bunch of different that like there was a kind of like a black keys sort of dirt rock band. I played with a band called two and a half white guys, which was like uh, reggae ska music. Um, played with them for a few years. There was like funk trios. There were just random pop up like, Hey, let's get this set together. Um, and that was kind of, that phase was, yeah, three or four years throughout college while I was going to the U. Um, and again, at this time, skiing was a like an outdoor stuff was just as big of a thing for me as music. So I was kind of like balancing between the two. Cool. And I was also working at a diner in Salt Lake. So mm-hmm. um, let's see. And then I guess like the biggest change that happened was in 2015 I relinked in Los Angeles with the two of those guys that I had been in the the first band with okay um they had formed a new band and I I came out to LA to join them a few months after to play in a band called Heaps and Heaps and we toured the country and we toured the west coast and we did a whole bunch did a whole bunch of so far sounds and jam in the vans and cool. NPR tiny desks and competitions and yeah. Awesome. Did a whole bunch of stuff. And yeah. So moving to LA was, that was probably the biggest musical And Sorry. Change. When was that? How long ago did you move there? I lived there five years. So I moved okay. in 2015 okay. and during that time I, I did a bunch of random jobs. I got most of my students that I'm still teaching to this day online. Okay. Um, I worked at a, uh, a, a private elementary school teaching music awesome. and, uh, I, let's see what else I'm cramming, cramming a lot of stuff. When did this. you get hired to do that country tour? Like, where was that in this? That was in, I'm that cur- was before I moved. That was like 2013. Okay. So, 2000- and that, I mean, I'm curious about that just because. It wasn't like your project, right? Like nope. you're hired for the project. Yeah. Cool. Um, it was, that was through the bass player that I played in Two and a Half White Guys with. Okay. Was like, I have this guy that he's, he's got all these dates and we were playing country bars in random country places. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Like, you know. Casper, Wyoming, yeah. Cheyenne, Billings, Montana, Lubbock, Texas. Jackpot, Nevada, yeah, cool. you know, St. George, like a lot yeah. of random 
you know, state fairs and stuff. Cool. And I mean, it, it was a little messy <laughs> at yeah. times, yeah. um, but it was, you know, it was a paying gig yeah. and it was. Well, and again, like, I just have to imagine like getting hired to be on someone else's tour. Like that's just gotta, it's gotta mean something to like your sense of like your own value. Yeah, it does. It, it did feel good and it does mm-hmm. feel good to, you know, I love getting like, Hey, go learn these songs. Oh my gosh. I would. I, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I've texted so like I've recently, I think like the, you know, the pandemic is like, I've reached the point in the pandemic where I'm like so missing creating stuff with people. Yeah. I've texted a bunch of people lately and been like, if you have originals that need background vocals, like, please let me sing them. Like, yeah. like I don't pay me. Just yeah. like, let me sing your stuff. Like, I, let me work on your stuff with you. I miss my band. I miss jamming with yeah. My cousin, I missed a lot of... But I do think anything. that's something that as a rhythm section, you get to do a lot more of. Like, pe- people don't hire vocalists as a sideman that often. Like, as a, like I, I would love to, like, learn other people's originals. But it's just, like, I feel like, like, a, like a background vocalist who's specifically there to do background vocals, you have to have, like, a pretty big tour budget before you have that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I don't know from experience cause I can't sing for <laughs> at all. I'm just saying, I'm just saying I, I, I envy that about being a rhythm section player. Like just yeah. the idea of like getting to play on other people's original gigs. Yeah. Um, cause I, I, I know I would love that. Yeah. Um, but it's not really an experience that I have had. Yeah. It's, it is a good feeling. Um, a lot of times it's like I said in the very beginning, it's like you're playing, two and four a lot yeah. <laughs> like it's very yeah. uh and you're uh, i like the balance between playing respecting somebody else's music and playing it to how they want it done and then putting a little yeah. bit of my flavor on it 100 percent. um i yeah i like that stuff and i thankfully i guess drummers are in a bit more demand in yeah. general in that not, not in 2020 yeah. but well tell me about your your current band like how did it get started and yeah it's uh it's called stereo match it's yeah. a it's it's like indie alternative yeah. electronic i listen pop. to the stuff that you guys already have out oh nice it's great thank you um yeah. so that was the same same four of us as heaps and heaps, which okay. is a, which was a slightly similar project. Um, so you changed the same four of you, but you just, you changed it cause you wanted to work on a different type of music. Yeah. I think it just evolved just and we're like, we were and I don't think any of us were really that stoked on the name in the beginning. Yeah. Like heaps and heaps. It's, it's too cute or something. It, I don't know. It's like, I liked it for a bit and then I didn't like it. And we kind of just had this talk and I feel like we were all growing and changing yeah. as people and the music was changing too. And we just, like decided to change it um yeah so we've we've we just released our the latest single was like two weeks ago it's called air um we there's five singles right now we're sitting on two albums worth of finished music and great uh i believe we're gonna release one more before right before the holidays and then probably release the next the, the rest of the album next year cool and I mean, this was COVID definitely hit us unexpectedly and three of us moved back to Salt Lake and one of us is still living in Los Angeles, but we still, you know, 
we're still that's great that two of two of the like three of the four are here yeah that's i didn't know that that's that's good yeah i was thinking like it must feel weird for you to like be the only one that's here but you're not yeah i we we all moved around a similar time yeah um so you still get to like see them i mean unfortunately yeah covid hit and i just like that la just I, I was done with yeah. it personally and y- you were kind of done with it anyway yeah, yeah. in a way I, why it's a love-hate relationship with that place it's 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 really crowded it's really expensive yeah it's but I, like if you for art and culture and food yeah it's such an amazing place yeah. but skiing's I, better here it's that's true <laughs> and yeah it was hard for me to it was hard to meet people and find friend groups that I felt yeah. comfortable with that were like real people <laughs> other than uh and you feel like that's easier here I mean this yeah easier, and it's but... it's I just I have my home base here like my family's that's here right. I, I have I forget to lots of people that. that grew up I grew up with here I have a lot of friends that we grew up in Salt Lake together they a lot of us moved to LA at one point and yeah. now most of us are back interesting in Salt Lake can I be in your friend group? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't grow up yeah. here. I, I grew up in Arizona mm. and then I went to school in Texas and then I moved here. And like, I feel like being a person who lives here, who didn't grow up here. So I don't have like, you know, high school friends here. And then also didn't go to college here. I really have had a hard time like feeling like I, like the way you're describing LA is like, that's how I, that's how I feel here. Um, interesting i just la felt very and i know a lot of people will relate to this and i hope i don't offend anybody that lives there now that loves it yeah well your experience (laughs) is yours yeah it's like la is the only place that i've been to that consistently feels like people the majority of people are there to pursue a personal career and Mm -hmm. they're trying to get to get use people to get to that yeah, yeah, to yeah. get to that goal. And I'm sure it's that. similar in, in like, you know, mm-hmm. political spheres in DC and yeah. fashion spheres in, in like Paris or New, yeah. York. New York, but it's, uh, it's just kind of like that next level, like self. Yeah. And I, there like were a lot of interactions. Maybe it was just me, but I had a lot of interactions with people that were just like, how can you, how can you assist my career or how can yeah. you assist my yeah. betterment? And if not, yeah. I have no use for you. Yeah. And, a lot of just fake sort of relationships evolved from that. And at the same time, I, there are a lot of good hidden gems there. And, um, like my band was out there and lots of great people I met through them that are still there doing cool things. I think it was just more like, it's, I'm a, I don't want to live in a huge city for yeah. a little while. I'd like yeah. to be more in a medium, yeah. medium place, which well, Salt Lake is. You did it. Perfect for yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything like, you know, this is this is the podcast for for deep soapbox art musings. Is there <laughs> anything else that you like just love talking about or like have been thinking about lately with like the arts or creativity or music in particular? Like anything else that you're just like want to talk about um i think a lot about um the the purest conversation which Mm. meaning the given that it's it's what am i trying to say here 
with the technology to able to like that we have to make yeah. music nowadays and especially from sampling and from a production side yeah. are so um there's a low barrier th- to entry yeah. yeah whereas i'm just i'm comparing the what i'm thinking about to like the amount of hours i've spent practicing to pl- or anyone has spent practicing to play their instrument and now you can emulate that on a computer really really easily mm-hmm. i still think about like does is is it more important where the the sound came from yeah. or how it sounds yeah yeah period yeah. and what do you think the purist would say the purist in me i'm not a purist but that maybe a little bit would yeah. be like it's it's i want it to be more feel more real and more authentic coming yeah. from a real place yeah. but then again i'm like i'm such a huge fan of hip hop and sampled music and yeah. and uh I don't I feel like I'm not describing this uh no, I, too well. I feel like I know what you mean. Like yeah, no, I I mean I totally get it. Like it's it's that same like okay, maybe this isn't exactly the same, but like this this American Idol problem that I was talking about at the beginning where like singing, which like, you know, the way that I think of like my craft, like what I do, you know, there's a lot like I, you know, I'm 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 athletic in like these really particular muscles. In a way that, like, takes a lot of work. Like, you get that. Yeah. And also, like, you know, thinking about the nuance and the storytelling. And, like, I've spent so many years and, like, truly decades. Um, And when I see that, like, a lot of people in our culture now, like, think about singing as, like, something really different. Where, like, it's a lot less about the actual singing and a lot more about, like, this, like, a visual branding... I, I can, I, I know it's not exactly the same, but like, maybe that's my parallel to like programmed drums. Um, yeah, I think like, I feel really torn about it. Like, I feel like singers who like, aren't really singers, but who are great, like performers, I almost just kind of feel like it's a totally different art form. And the fact that the general public like, doesn't feel that way, like they see them as the same thing, like. I think ultimately like that doesn't have anything to do with me. Like I, you know, I think I just am agreeing with you. Like I feel torn about it sometimes. Yeah. I, th- for but me, I also just feel like it is objectively singing, is. singing is like, that seems different. Cause it's, I mean, you like you have a voice or you don't, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't think that's true. Like, cause di- production magic is pretty crazy. I guess, yeah, I guess what you like, can, people you can, can be make... really bad singers and be like, famous singers yeah okay so i didn't i wasn't taking that yeah so i guess we are we are i think it's the same i guess you know you could and people lip sync live and you could take you could put your drums in a room and record them and with like really nice drums and really practiced experienced person with really nice mics and tweak everything and get it perfectly exactly how you want it and record that or you could just take a sample that somebody else has already done and get the exact same sound. Yeah. That's, I'm, that's okay. Yeah. Like I, I it's, yeah. that's okay. But still sometimes I'm like, okay, well, do What's I need to make a, do I need to then? make a, sh- a pivot here yeah. and, and value that like the production side of it more when I can like produce more stuff and yeah. have more at the ready 
from that angle than like trying to do it the old school way. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's like a right answer I, and, yeah. um, hopefully I don't sound too jaded. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, well, I think like, yeah, I'm totally agreeing with you. I think like as we, I think, you know, visual artists would feel the same way. Like with, you know, how, how accessible like digital media tools are. Yeah. Um, and I think we're at a place where we have to really think about, yeah, like what is the value of this skill set that I've really spent time honing? And then there's like the creativity that lives in my brain that's really easily facilitated by different tools. Yeah. And I think we're at a time as, you know, in many of our creative professions where we're kind of wrestling with like where where we should put our time and like how we should value what we do and how we maybe could expect other people to value it. And I, I think I feel the same way as you. That's like pretty torn. Like some days I'm like, well, this, you know, analog type of practice is really valuable. Yeah. And some days I think like this other thing that's like, maybe it's not real. If it's affecting someone, if it's affecting them in a real way, then like it's just as real as yeah. anything I'm doing. And it is. I, yeah. I truly believe. And I, it's funny that I only, really have this conversation with myself when I'm making the music. Like I, some of my favorite artists, you know, massive attack boards of Canada, these electronic artists that are like, yeah, trip hop that's taken from samples. They're not like, they're not always playing those instruments. And that's, I never even question it. I'm like, this is dope. I don't care. You know? But when I'm making it, it's like, okay, am I, is this cheating? And like, it's not cheating, but it's still, it just changes my perspective on, on, uh, the whole what it production is to- aspect. Totally. Yeah. One thing that I've recently, like I've interviewed recently, like a couple of different dancers and specifically like a couple of dancers who are like not in like the ballet uh-huh. and then like some dancers who are, and I, and I also I'm thinking about like, musicians who are like us and musicians who are like in the symphony mm-hmm. and like, you know, we, ha- we have the same ultimate like job title, <laughs> you know, we're like musicians or like dancers, but like doing really different things. And like, you know, I've just been thinking about this a lot lady- lately, you know, what's, what is the, what's the difference between a dancer who's in the ballet and a dancer who's doing like a lot of, you know, DIY kinds of things or a musician who's doing DIY things and a musician who's in the symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, for me, like, I, I think lately the way that I'm thinking about this is like, as individuals, we kind of like do the things that we can do and that we're interested in. And like, you know, it sounds like you, maybe you and I are both like, maybe it's like generational or maybe it's who knows what it is, but we are in a position where we can kind of do a little bit of both. And then it's maybe like trying to figure out like, what should I do? Yeah. It's not about like, like clearly these people should be programming drums cause they're making stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. And clearly like these people should be doing totally like live and that's awesome. And like, yeah. what should, what should I do? Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good way to break it down. Cause I, uh, yeah. It again. It it only when I have this, these thoughts and this conversation. This it's wrestle. It's, it's only yeah. It's yeah. only usually with 
my own stuff. Yeah. Like when I'm listening to something great, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, this sounds about great. Both. You're yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I'm, sh- yeah, if you're loving like jazz drummers, like that's not the kind of stuff you want to hear programmed. Yeah. It's, that's, it's different. Th- yeah. Yeah. And what, you know, if, and if you're, if you're listening to Massive Attack, then you're like, this should be exactly what this is. Yeah. And like, that should be exactly what that is. Yeah. And you're just like, you like both. So I think, I think a lot of it is that, that at least the music, my solo music that I'm working on is I'm trying to combine a lot of that stuff together. And so I'm trying to see what works best and what is the most, uh, true to what, like, you know, to what I want it to sound like. Cause I'm taking influences from, Right, both, yeah. Jazz and metal and yeah. electronic and ambient, you know. I love that, and I love that you're talking about that. Like, I think, you know, it's a good thing for, like, it's a good thing for my listeners um, <laughs> <laughs> to hear just, like, you know, that we that we as artists, and, like, oh, so many of my guests are saying similar things. Like, it's pretty rare that I interview someone who's like, this is what it should be, and this is yeah. what it is. And it, I do interview people like that sometimes, but the vast majority of us are like, I don't know what I'll do next. Or like, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, and that's, I think that's the point. Like, that's what it's like. That's what it's like to be creative. Like, you know, it's, there are really exciting things about it. And there are things that are like really confusing and, um, yeah, it's kind of just, it's the nature of it. So I love it when my guests like are kind of honest about like the stuff that they're currently like, you know, wrestling with or like feeling oh, yeah. jumbled up about. It's great. Yeah. It's really real. I th- it's, I guess that's the hardest part for me is to let go of the, you know, when I'm listening to my mixes back, just to let go of any ego or any yeah. part of it that has to do with like, well, I did that, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or we'll, you know what I mean? Like yes. any, any part of it that like, listen to it completely objectively. Like you're yeah. listening to one of your, one of your favorite artists and not judge based on how you know that the music was made and just appreciate it for what it is. That's a hard thing for me to do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Um, okay. I always ask everybody at the end, um, unless there's anything else you want to talk oh, I'm, about. Oh, I'm, I'm cool. We're like, are we good? <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I, we could be, it could be 15 minutes. It could be yeah. three hours. <laughs> it's not been three hours. <laughs> um, it's been, it's been two hours. Um, what is your dream collaboration? Who would you love to work with? Any medium, oh, alive or dead. It could be anything. What, what is your dream collaboration? Alive or dead. Anybody, anything. <sighs> Any amount of money, whatever, anything you want. What's your What's your dream oh, collaboration? Um, I mean, I'd probably go. I'd probably have to go to like. I'd probably do like a right now in my headspace right now. I would do like a. Yeah, sort of like a trip hop ambient thing with. Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. He's my favorite classical. Actually, there's a there's a jazz pianist who or maybe he's a bass player who does like Bach. Yeah. I can't remember his name. It's like a... uh that's just the first thing that came off my head. I'll have to find uh, that guy's name to tell you, but that's awesome. I yeah, mean, but like with Bach. You're like, yeah, like Dude, I'm it's me and Bach. Make sure your wig's on tight because we're yeah, going for this. Yeah. I love exactly. it. I love it. <laughs> but I mean, there's so many. There's like, that's, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, 
I like people give me the best answers. Yeah. People say things sometimes that I like it delights me. Um and then finally tell people where to find you and, and your band. Okay, so our uh the the band is stereomatchmusic.com. It's where uh Spotify, Stereo Match, Instagram at Stereo Match. My I'm uh Instagram is Drum Dowsett, so that's at D R U M D O W S E T T. Awesome. Um also, same on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, yeah, that's kind of uh, my... You taking new students? I am. Okay. I, I, I'm always looking... I'm teaching mostly online and Zoom, and I incorporate Logic Pro into my lessons. So like, there's that audio production side Great. of it. Great. Um, so, yeah, or dandowsett.com, or sorry dandowsett.squarespace.com or does the wait does the squarespace Listen, come first I, my, I got a wordpress site i don't know anything about squarespace I, yeah i usually go through instagram People just can figure it out at drum Dowsett. yeah i would i'm Google always looking it, for new students so thank okay. you for uh plugging that yeah. for me well dan <laughs> well, it was so nice to finally meet you you too thank and you so yeah. much for having me on yeah this is great thank you appreciate it thanks all righty Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from my album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.